0: If you have your Bible with you, turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark. New Testament book of Mark, chapter 2. This morning we'll be in the last paragraph of chapter 2, verses 23 to 28. Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28. If you're a guest with us, we're working our way through the book of Mark, where Mark shows us Jesus as God's King and shows us what it looks like to follow Jesus as our King. And we're in a series of arguments that Jesus has with the religious of the day about what it looks like to follow God as king. And today that argument and next week the argument we'll see again is about Jesus and the Sabbath. So with all that in mind, let's read Mark chapter 2 verses 23 to 28. This is the word of the Lord. One Sabbath. The high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any, but the priest eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. We're just going to dive in feet first today. Mark is is showing us much of the same thing with the Sabbath as he was showing us with fasting. He's showing us about how we approach God's Word and what that means to us. What Mark is showing us, brothers and sisters, today is this. The gospel changes our duties to God into opportunities of delight in God both with fasting and with the sabbath what mark is trying to show us is that the 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 way we approach god's word is not out of duty and obligation it's not out of performance it's out of joy it's out of out of gladness and delight because of what god has done for us in jesus we respond to him with obedience and joy we see these two approaches to god's command in this fourth argument between Jesus and the Pharisees. There's two approaches to God's Word. The first is found in verses 23 to 24, and the first approach to God's Word is a burden. Some of us hear God's Word and we feel burdened by the weight of its demands and expectations. This is how the Pharisees approached God's word. It was a burden to them. Look at verses 23 to 24 again. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Some places take things really serious. In Texas, they are serious about high school football, right? Friday night lights. Kansas City, they would tell you that they're serious about barbecue and the Chiefs. I'll tell you that my hometown would, would have an argument about how serious Kansas City takes their barbecue. My hometown would say they take it more serious. My wife, where she's from, they take spice seriously with their green chilies. The St. Louis people, they take their baseball team serious. But the Jews in Jesus' day, if they took anything serious, it was the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the seventh day, the holy day of rest. Yes, it was established by God at creation, but... It was specifically given to the people of Israel when God saved them out of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 31 verse 14, Moses tells the people God's word and he says, You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. So the the law of the Sabbath, friends, was a matter of life and death. It was a, a capital offense. But it was not only that, it had become a matter of national pride. Real patriots keep the Sabbath in Israel. But here's the question that this command leaves open. And it's the question that the patriots wrestled with. What is work? What does God mean we should not work? How much can I do before I cross the line? How far is too far? Now, if you read through the Old Testament, what you will find is there is no list. God does not define it. And over time, the Jewish religious leaders and the people set out to make a list themselves. They wanted a rule for every hypothetical possible situation. They wanted you to know what exactly work you could do and could not do. Like fasting, we saw, they went above and beyond Scripture to prove how righteous they were. John MacArthur tells us that they had laws about honey and milk and spitting, and writing, and getting dirt off your clothes. Scribes could not carry their pens. Students could not carry their books. No insects could be killed. No candles could be lit. Nothing bought or sold. No bathing was allowed. No furniture could be moved. Anything that might be conceived of as work was forbidden. Now you take that approach, that burden... And you look at this confrontation, and there's a few potential problems between Jesus and the Pharisees. The Jewish people were not allowed to take more than 1,999 steps on the Sabbath. So, just the trip to the fields is probably a, a problem. But, reaping grain was definitely seen as working at a time of harvest. And look, it's one thing to not fast. Okay, you want to be the new guy in town and not act very serious about God? We'll give you that. That's fine. You be you, whatever. But the one thing you need to do is take this national obligation, this national duty to keep the Sabbath. This is about Israel here. What are you doing? And so the Pharisees try to put Jesus under their man-made burden. And in verse 24, they say, look, why are your disciples doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? I need to be clear. I'm not going to go very detailed into this, but I need to be clear. Friends, listen. Sunday is not the Sabbath. Okay? This is not the seventh day. This is not the Sabbath. This is what the apostles in the New Testament called the Lord's Day. So there's a little bit of a difference between what's happening in Jesus and the disciples and what we deal with. But think how much the Pharisees sound like the church. Think how much they sound like the American church has sounded for years. The Bible says you shouldn't work on the Sabbath. You should keep it holy. So what is work? Can I mow my yard on Sunday? Can I cook if I, if I go out to eat, I'm not working, but is it okay if I make someone else work? The Bible doesn't say any of these things, but we want to set out and make a list. We want to know. And we don't stop at the Sabbath. The Bible says flee immorality, but we want to know how far is too far. What can I do with my significant other before I get married, before I cross the line? What kind of relationship's okay? What kind of speech with another person not in my marriage is okay? How far can I go? What's immorality? What can I watch? How far is too far? What things can I see before it's a problem? What kind of jokes can I say? The Bible says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but which words are okay? Is, is, is this word fine? Is it okay if I'm really upset in and, and righteous anger? Can I say it then? What if I'm with mature people? What what can I say? The Bible says all foods are clean. The Bible says do not get drunk with wine, but what am I allowed to do? Tell me a rule. Tell me what I can't eat. Tell me what I can't drink. Give me a list. When the Bible leaves things open-ended, why do we feel like the church needs to write the rule book for God? And if you don't think this is relevant, brothers and sisters, if you think this is just old church and and we've moved past this, we've recognized our freedom, then, then brothers and sisters, go read our church covenant. Like the Pharisees, we think our ability to follow the rules sets us apart. But Colossians chapter 2, verse 23, Paul says, These indeed have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Paul says they don't work. They're not effective. This approach not only fails in making us holy, it hurts our neighbor. It hurts our our our, our neighbors who, who maybe want to come to us and know how to follow God. In fact, we're even, listen, we're even lying to our neighbors when we when we make these covenants and say, this is what makes you a Christian. This is what makes you an acceptable member of the body of Christ if you follow these rules. We're lying. Luke 11, verse 46, Jesus said, Woe to you, lawyers, also, for you load people with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. How do you become a member of the family of God, brothers and sisters? Let's go back to the basic fundamental question How do you belong to Jesus? The good news of the gospel is that while we were sinners, God sent his son Jesus to do all the work for us so that he could bring us to God. And the one who made heaven and earth and the one who rested on the seventh day died on the cross and rose again for us. And now he sits at the right hand of God. And the reason he is sitting, the reason he is resting Is because the work is finished. That's why the writer of Hebrews in chapter 4 says, We who believe enter that rest. Verse 10: For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Friends, let me share with you the gospel. You do not work to get to God. You rest from believing your works mean anything, and you trust in the one who did all of the work for you. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life of obedience, and he was crucified on the cross for your sins and your disobedience. And God was a pleased with that work and rose Jesus Christ from the grave to establish a new kingdom and a new creation. And all he calls us to do is repent, to rest, and believe. Have you rested in Christ today? Have you stopped trying to earn your way to God and put everything on Jesus? It's not about being a good person. It's not about being a good Christian. It's about resting in Jesus. Believe in him and you will be saved. But brothers and sisters, when you belong to Jesus, like many of us, your position to God's laws and expectations changes. God's commands are no longer our duty to perform They're opportunities to show God's power. They They become a chance for you to demonstrate what God's already done in you. And so the Sabbath is not a list of rules to obey once a week. New Testament Christian, the Sabbath for you is a state of rest you already possess. Did you hear that? The Sabbath today is not a day on the calendar. For the New Testament Christian, the Sabbath is a position of your heart. It's a rest that you own. Jesus is our Sabbath. Jesus is our life. Jesus is our rest. Jesus brings a new approach to God's word. To God's law, new wine cannot be mixed with the old. And with Jesus, the Sabbath and God's commands are not a burden anymore. Brothers and sisters, today, the way we approach God through Jesus, the Sabbath and God's commands are blessing. They're blessing. Look at verses 25 to 28. And Jesus said to them, The Sabbath. When the Pharisees try to trap Jesus in the fields and they confront him, Jesus doesn't play their game. He doesn't argue about their man-made tradition. He doesn't argue about their Jewish laws. He quotes scripture. He goes to the real authority. And he, he talks about David. And it's not so much about what happened. We're not even going into the details there. That's not the point. The point is who did it. Who does he refer to? He, he's, he's talking to these the lawyers, these, these men who teach God's word for a living. He's like, look at your hero. Look at the person you would put on the highest pedestal. Look at his life. David had a legit need, and he broke one of God's laws. He didn't break a man-made tradition. He broke an actual law from Moses to find food. Now, what would you say about David? Because 1 Kings 15 verse 5, your word says, David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life except in the matter of Uriah and the Hittite. So Pharisees, what do you say now? If, if David can do this, why are you coming to me? And he makes two claims here. The first one's about himself. Not only is he worth comparing to David, he's greater. Verse 28, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's saying the Son of Man, the one that Daniel talks about in Daniel chapter 7, the one with authority over all nations. He is Lord. I am Lord. I am the master over your holy day. I rule over what you think is most important. I am on top of your Saturday. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. How are you going to try to box me in with your tradition? But beyond this this comment about himself, he shows us something, brothers and sisters, about the Sabbath. Sabbath. It was intended to be a blessing. Look at verse 27. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. While we're free from the burden of the law, listen, God created this gift for our benefit. He wanted to bless us. Now think about what this says about God. Our heavenly Father wants us to rest. Our Heavenly Father, who knows what's good for us, wants us to have a rhythm of renewal. Wants us to regularly pause and slow down. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 13 and 14. Listen to how God talks about this. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight... And the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. Now, does that sound more positive or negative? Does Isaiah's words, do they sound more like a burden or a blessing? Friends, God designed this rhythm to serve you and me, not to master us, not to stand over us. God still wants rest for you. In your busyness, in your hectic schedule, in your nonstop pace and nonstop activity, your Father wants you to slow down. If you're thinking right now, okay, okay. I got that. Now tell me what to do on my Sunday. Tell me what, I, what I'm allowed to do on my Sabbath. Tell me what I'm not supposed to do. You're asking the wrong question. Instead, this is how you should think. The Lord of the Sabbath saved me. He rescued me from having to work and earn life with him. So in my busyness, What good gift from God am I missing? Because I won't slow down. If I hit pause and Sabbath, what joys could God bring to me? That's the New Testament way to think about this. That's the blessing. What am I missing from my Father? Friends, the words that some of us need to hear is not, stop making rules about the Sabbath, some some of us, what we need to hear is God wants you to rest. He's given you the gift of rest. Take advantage of it. The Sabbath is like a tithe. God gave us seven days. And we, we can have faith that if we work for six, that God can do more with those six than we could do with all seven. And some of us just need to slow down. Some of us need to start saying no to some things. Not because this is what makes us right with God, but because God has saved you and you don't have to work anymore. And your father, who knows you and knows how you're wired and knows what you need, wants you to join in this rhythm of rest. And like stubborn children, we're just ignoring the gift our father has given us. There's no exhaustive list of do's and don'ts. And so you're not going to get one single rule from me. But if you really, 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 really want a place to start on how to Sabbath well. And what that means for the New Testament believer. Then you need to start with the greatest commandment. Mark chapter 12, verse 29 to 30. Jesus said, the most important is hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You don't have to ask anymore, am I allowed to do this on Sunday? But what you should ask is, does this activity help me love God more? Does this conversation help me love God more? Does this opportunity help me love God more? Friends, what opportunities are before you? What could you do today to think about God more? What could you do today to stop and worship him more and reflect on him more? What conversation could you have that would build up his name? That's what the Sabbath for us is about. It's pausing and delighting in Him, reflecting on the joy of being known by Him. And friends, that's such good news. Do you, I mean, can you hear the freedom in that compared to the list of rules that we just want to heap on ourselves? God just wants us to want Him. That's why when Jesus talks about His burden, it's totally different. Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What is the chief end of man? One of the oldest works of the church, gives the answer. The chief end of man is to enjoy God and glorify Him forever. That's Sabbath. It's enjoying the Lord. Let's move beyond the Sabbath because ultimately that's what these passages are doing. It's not about fasting. It's not about the Sabbath. It's about you and God's Word. How are you approaching the Lord in your walk with him? Is it a burden, an obligation, a list of rules that you need to accomplish? Brothers and sisters, that's not gospel. That's religion. Or is your walk with God blessing? Because God has worked this miraculous salvation in my life, I am blessed with the opportunity to live for him. That's gospel. That's faith. That's Sabbath. Brothers and sisters, God is not mastering over you, expecting you to meet all of his expectations. He met the expectations for you. Rest in that good news and delight in him. Be still and know that he is God. John says it this way in 1 John 5. And rest in what Jesus has done for you. And walk in that freedom for his glory. Let us pray.